church that we are, are beginning to get on dangerous ground. And I believe that we have got to hear the Holy Spirit in our church. I believe that we've got to open up our ears. We've got to open up our eyes to see Jesus. That is one reason why we are doing these Sunday night, Wednesday night services. We're going to be doing some prayer, some outreach. Because I believe that God is called living water. Someone say amen if you believe that. I believe that we have an anointing that many people don't have, many churches don't have. And I believe if we can get over ourselves, that we can get accomplished what God wants. I don't know why it is that we fall into a situation in our life to where we want to make things worse for ourselves. But we seem to fall there. I think we do it inadvertently. I think that we get caught up in what all hell is trying to do. But the truth of the matter is, is that God has the answer. And a lot of times we can't see the answer because of what's going on around us. We hear what God has said. We listen to what God has said. But we find it within ourselves hard to believe what God has said. Our faith is faltering. And as Jesus told Peter, he says, Peter or Simon, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for you that your faith will not fail. Mm -hmm. Jesus has asked me to come tell you tonight that he has prayed for you that your faith will not fail. So right with that, when he prayed, God answered the prayer. And your victory is in the horizon. Did y'all hear me tonight? Your victory is already in the horizon. All you have to do is get in the right place for the victory to fall. And we have been talking in our church for several months, for several years, actually, about a brand new, fresh move of God. I told Tina on the way over here tonight that I must be doing something wrong. Undoubtedly, I'm not preaching hard enough. Maybe I'm not living holy enough, but undoubtedly I must be doing something badly wrong. But I will tell you, and it never ceases to amazement, I'm not patting myself on the back, but 30 years ago with preaching like has been brought behind this pulpit in the last three or four months, we'd have a church full. We'd have an altar full. We'd have people on fire for the Lord. God would be shown up, shown out. And ready to go out. But we've got him blocked up in some way. And I don't know exactly what it is. Those of you that's listening to me online, you're listening to me on my podcast. I don't know exactly what it is that has got you so held up, so bound up, that you're not interested in what God's got in your life. And you can tell me that you are interested, but your action speaks a lot louder than your words. My mama used to tell me, don't tell me you love me, show me that you love me. God says the same thing. Don't tell me that you love me. Once you get to the point and in, 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 in worship like that, when God gets tired of it, he said, as I read to you here Wednesday night, as I read to you last Sunday, he says, I hear all your stuff and everything, but I won't hear it. When you come to me, sing your song. I won't hear it. I won't acknowledge it. 
We have got to get to the point to where we reach beyond the veil and get in the presence of the Lord so when he extends his scepter to us, we feel his power and we see the result of his power. And I want to tell you tonight, one person is not going to be able to do it. You've always heard uh, other preachers say oh, it only takes one. No, it takes more than one in this fight that we have here in the world today. The Bible says you need at least two or three. Amen. So we've got to come together and unify. We've got to make up our mind that it don't matter what it costs. It don't matter what it takes. We are going to have the very best that God has got for Amen. us. So tonight I want to talk with you about something I want to show with you. And I, I am fascinated with the glory of God. I always have been. When I first felt the glory of God, and I know that uh, some of you may have never experienced it, but if you ever have experienced the glory of God, you'll want to experience it again. Amen. If you ever see God show up in his glory, you will always stay. So it only takes one transaction in your life and you'll never backslide. You'll never leave the house of God because you are sitting back waiting for him to show out in his glory one more time. And I believe today that we've got some hearts under the sound of my voice. Some of you that's listening online, you might not be a part of us. You might not be a part of this church and you call yourself a part of this church. You hadn't been here. You might not have been here a long time, but I still believe down deep on the inside of your heart, you really want to see God show up. And in fact, if you would really sit down and talk to someone, your, I think the conversation would run to, if it's real, then I'm willing. And I believe that's one of the issues that we have got to get beyond because the world has looked at the church and they don't think it's real. We got to start showing the world that it's real. Amen. Amen. I want you to turn with me to Second Chronicles chapter number five. I want to read three verses here tonight. I'm going to do more of a Bible study than I am preached tonight. Next Sunday is our third Sunday dinner. Come prepared to eat. We're going to have prayer after that. And we're going to pray all together. I'm going to bring you a prayer. I want to pray, have it prayed, prayed out loud, and I'm going to let you pray on any way you need to pray. But we need to constantly pray through this week. I ask some of you to put aside of something, fast on something this week. Ask God to show up because we really need to get God's face turned to us. Amen? Amen. Verse number 11. It said, And it came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place. For all the priests that were present were sanctified and did not then wait by course. Also the Levites, which were the singers, all of them of Asaph and Heman and Jeduthun, with their sons and their brethren being arrayed in white linen, having cymbals and psalteries and harps, stood at the east of the altar, and with them a hundred and twenty priests sounding with trumpets. And it came even to pass as the trumpeters and the singers were as one, to make one sound to be heard in the praising and the thanking of the Lord. I want you to underline circle on one sound. One sound. Everybody say one sound. God is waiting for living water to get to the point to where when they speak to God, it's one sound. When we're worshiping to the Lord, it's one sound. And it says that they lifted up their voice with trumpets and cymbals and instruments. So it said, let's read verse 13. It came, it came to pass as the trumpeters and the singers was as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and the cymbals and the instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. 
that the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priest could not stand the minister by reason of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord had filled the house. Flip right back to verse 11. We're going to read it again. And it came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place, for all the priests that were present were sanctified and did not then wait by course. Also the Levites, which were the singers, all of them of Asaph and Heman and Jeduthun, were their sons and their brethren, being arrayed in white linen, having cymbals and psalteries and harps, stood at the east end of the altar, and with them an hundred and twenty priests, sounding with trumpets. It came even to pass, as the trumpeters and singers were as one, to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and the cymbals and the instruments of music, and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever, that the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. It came to pass, when the priests were come out of the holy place, also the Levites that were singing, and their brethren being arrayed in white linen, having cymbals and psalteries and harps, stood at the altar, and with them 120 priests, sounding trumpets, sounding the alarm. That it came to pass when the trumpets, trumpeters and the singers came in unity to make one sound, praising and thanking the Lord, that they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and the cymbals and the instruments of music, and they all began to say, the Lord is good. His mercy endures forever. When they began to get in one spirit, one accord, making one sound, all sanctified, all at the house of God, the house was filled with the cloud when they started singing and when they started praising. So the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord had filled the house. I believe in my heart, church, that there's more of God than what we've got right now. I believe there's a whole lot more of God than what we're experiencing at this moment. I believe that for me, there is more of God and a better experience than I have. I believe that this church has never seen its best days. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever in, had an encounter with God? in your life, a true encounter with God that changed you and changed you forever. Can you think about that and find it for today? Did you ever have an experience in your life that left, left such a lasting impression on you that it changed everything there is about you? I don't know about you, but there's a driving passion in my heart that whispers on the inside of me, deep inside, Kip, there's more. There's a whole lot more than what you have. I know people tell you that you understand the Bible real good. You're a good orator and you preach hard and all that and you play good and you sing and all that stuff. But there's more than what you experience right now. 
there's more to have of God. In fact, when I read about things in the Bible, sissy of, of, of people that were able to see into the other world, John, Moses, all those, I get envious in my spirit because I want to be able to look into the other world and see more than what I see because I know that there's more. I know there's more. I know there's a whole lot more than what we're going through right now. How many of you here agree with me tonight? You know there's more. I want to tell you something about this. I haven't found one person in the Bible that experienced that more that ever backslid on God. I haven't found one person in that Bible that when they saw or heard more in there that they walked away from the situation the same. Every person that I've went to and I've seen as they have moved into another realm of glory with the Lord, I've seen them never backslide and they never had any more rebellion in their life from their own out. That's what the church needs today is more of God. We need to be seeking more of God. I want you to just tell your neighbor, say, seek more of him. Once you experience the glory of God, you'll never turn away from it and you'll never forget his touch because when he touches you, it leaves a lasting effect. I started to sing tonight, he touched me. He touched me. Something wonderful happened with with me when he touched me. Now I'm never the same. He touched me. He loved me enough to where he reached down and he touched me. And I thank God that he touched me. But I want more than just that touch. Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter number 2 verse 12, I believe it is. He says, I'm not ashamed for I know whom I have believed in. And I'm persuaded that he's able. I'm not ashamed of speaking up for my God. I'm not ashamed for people to see me in the church. I'm not ashamed for people to see me behind the pulpit. I'm not ashamed to lift my voice up and praise the Lord. Because I know who I serve. I mean, I know who I serve. And I'm persuaded by what I've seen in the past, not only in my life, but in your life, in my family's life. I'm persuaded that no matter what the issue is, God is able. Now, I think that we can all say that we know a whole lot about him. We've heard a whole lot about it. We can sit down and we talk a whole lot about God. Amen. But I don't think a lot of us really know him. Paul said, there's one thing I want them in life. He said, I want to know him and be found in him. That means if you know him, you've had a meeting with him and his glory. Most people in the church has a man encounter. They have a program encounter. We've been in encountered with all those programs, but we need a God encounter because that God encounter is an unforgettable majesty and an unforgettable power of God that once you ever experience it, you won't ever want to go and leave it and close it up in your life anymore. Somebody look at somebody and say, I know there's more. Now this morning I told you there's a difference between the omnipresence of God and the manifest presence of God or the glory of God. And I thank God for the omnipresence of God because he said if any two or three come together, he's in the midst of them. I thank God for the omnipresence of God because it was the omnipresence of God that convicted me because I didn't get my heart right in the church. I got my heart right in the bathroom at my house. It was the omnipresence of God that got a hold of me. Omnipresence means God is everywhere. He's in everything and everything you do, everything there is, he's in that nucleus there all the time. That is why people can go into the bar room and when they get drunk, 
they get under conviction in the bar room because there's more of God sometimes in the bar room than there is in the church. The problem is, is when someone is sitting in the bar room, their will and their mind becomes inebriated and they'll begin to fall under conviction and tell everybody just how bad a person they are and they want to get better when they're drunk. But the minute that their mind snaps back and their will snaps back, they are living in a life with an unbroken will and an unredeemed mind. And it's a miserable state to have to live that way. But it is the omnipresence of God that causes that in your life. Now, I felt God convict me in my bathroom. And when I did, I pointed my finger in my face, and instead of mama preaching to me, instead of the preacher preaching to me, instead of my wife preaching to me, instead of anybody that I knew in my life preaching to me, Kip started preaching to Kip. And Kip said, you deserve better than this, you're going to have better than this, and you're not going to destroy your life by what you're up to because you're a child of God and you're going to straighten up. I believe that God has the omnipresence of God everywhere. But that ain't what I'm after. I'm after the manifest presence of God. I want to see God show up, show out, and begin to go out with us and begin to change this world. Is anybody with me tonight? You see, times when God comes down and concentrates the very essence of his power in places that he hadn't been before in a long time, that is the manifested presence of God. We can all come in here and still feel God. We come in with our minds and we can feel a difference in this assembly than what we do out there in the world because we all come in with our mind on God. But I'm talking about the time when God seems to center and consecrate his very essence and his presence in the place more than he ever has before. And I'm true, but I believe all of you would say it's true that sometimes God literally seems to be more in one place than he is in another. Amen. So I believe that God is wanting to consecrate his very power, concentrate his very glory right here in this church in a deeper way than he's ever done it before. There's a strong sense that God has entered the room when you feel him do that. And when he comes into the room, the program change. When you come into the room, the songs change. You sing better. When you come in, sometimes you don't know what to do. Sometimes you're knocked out of your chair. Sometimes you're knocked off of the pulpit. I can remember God showing up in the middle of one of my sermons and knocked me down on the ground, and I laid there for about three hours. I know that there is more than what I'm experiencing in this church, and the very fact that I know that I can experience more has got me frustrated with everyone here because I know he's more powerful than what we're experiencing right now. There is a strong sense that God wants to enter this room right here, right now. We are God's children. Amen. How many of you here today is God's children? If you are, say amen. But we've got a different level that we need to go to. And if we are already his people, what level of him that we need that God is telling us we need to seek? He answers it in 1 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. He said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways and seek my face, he said, then I will hear, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. He's saying the next level that you as a child of God must do is not just seek him, but seek his face. You can be God's child and not seek his face. You can be a Christian and not seek his face. 
Why is it that we are commanded to seek his face? Why is it that it is so important for you to graduate from the level that we're on right now and start seeking the face of God? Let me tell you a little story. I come home from work one day. Trevor was about four years old. I walked in and I sat down in my recliner. And purposely, I didn't pay any attention to Trevor. When Trevor said something to me, I turned my head like this. And he'd walk around after a while because I wouldn't pay any attention to him. He got right in front of the chair and he would holler at me and I just turned my face. And he'd holler again and I'd turn my face. And he said, Daddy, what's wrong with you? And I'd turn my face. And as time went on in a little bit, he began to crawl up into the recliner and he sat down in my lap and he reached there and he grabbed my face and turned it to him and said, Daddy, I'm talking to you. That's what God is waiting for us to do. Why is it that he wants us to seek his face? Because his favor flows from where his face is turned. Everybody say favor. Now you can be God's child and not seek his face. It's your hunger that will turn the face of God. He wanted me to talk to him that day. I played with him until he got my attention. And when he done so, he, I got my attention and I began to laugh and play with him. He had chased me for a little while and all of a sudden he kind of got a little giddy and he jumped up and he began to run around and I was trying to get him and he was running away from me. And I want to see the church that is chasing God have a situation where it changes where we ain't chasing God no more. God is chasing us. God said, seek his face. Everybody hold out and say, seek his face. Turn with me to Psalm chapter 32. I want to show you something other else. God is happy that you are his child, but he wants you to get into a deeper level with him. He wants you to seek his face, seek his favor, because when He, you have his favor on your life, then there's things that will happen for you that you don't deserve. When you've got his favor in your life, there are people that will do things for you that hate your guts. When you've got his favor in your life, he'll fill up your church. When you've got his favor in your life, he'll fill up your bank account. When you've got his favor in your life, he'll stop COVID from coming to your very residence. I believe that God is wanting to issue out some favor, but he's not going to send the favor until we get him to look at us and we get his face. But not only his face, he wants to carry us to an even deeper level. Psalm chapter 32, verse 8 and 9 says, I will instruct thee and I will teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. And I will guide you with my eye. Be you not as the horse or as a mule which has no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with a bit and a bridle lest they come near unto thee. I used to, I was raised up right beside a horse farm and I learned how to, to, to maneuver a horse and what, a bridle and, a, and what type of reins that you had to have on a certain horse. And when you wanted a horse to turn his head, what you had to do, God said, I don't want a Christian to live for me. I don't want a believer. I don't want my children to live for me where I got to turn their head all the time and they're going that way, turn them this way to make them go that way. I want to be able to sit back on my throne like mama did when she come to church and sit on the front row and I was on the back row and if she turned around and she gave me that look like that I knew I was in trouble God wants to just look at us and we'll straighten up just by that look 
Tina and I was talking the other night, and we were talking about discipline, our children and everything. And I said, I guarantee you, if you ask Trevor right now, he would rather me beat the daylights out of him than to talk to him. And she said, well, I'm sure he didn't get too many whippings in his life. I said, no, two or three. I said, but when I laid it on him, I laid it on him. I said, but when I talked to him, I said, he literally came down like a grasshopper. And he would tell you right now, my line, I'd rather you beat the daylights out of me than to talk to me. God wants to be able to look at John when John is about to mix mess up just like mama used to have said. And you know right then, hey, I better straighten up. He said, you've got to do that. That's the next level. He says, seek my face because when I look at you, you'll have my favor and you'll realize if you make the wrong move, you'll lose my favor. I want you to know living water at one time had his favor and we need to get his favor back. We had a favor in last September before last and God was doing something in this church and we lost that favor. It's time to get the favor back. Amen. God wants us to go beyond the written word and the prophetic word. We want to go to a, de a greater degree of tenderness of the heart. So when he actually looks at us in a deeper maturity, all he's got to do is give us the look. Everybody just call out and say, Lord, give me the look. You see, if you'll pay attention to him, get his face. When he looks at you, he'll straighten you out. Amen. I wonder how many people still need a thundering voice from the pulpit to sit up here and to try to get them straightened back out. I wonder how many of you need somebody trying to train an old wild donkey with a whip trying to whip them. How many of you need somebody to bring a prophetic utterance to correct your ways? Or do you just need the eye of God to look at you and convict you? That's all we really need. It was a glance from Jesus to Peter. Without saying a word that made Peter weep and run to the altar when he denied him three times. He didn't say a word to him. He just looked at him. And to the altar music of a rooster crowing, he begged God to get him straight one more time only because he was so close to Jesus when he saw the look. He knew what Jesus had told him had come to pass. I wonder how many of us here today would be willing to go to the altar call of a rooster crowing to get ourselves right back with the Lord. We don't need God to tell us over and over and over and over and over again what we're doing wrong. We don't need him to jerk us with the reins. We don't need him to put a bridle in a bit in our mouth so that we can turn our head. All we're going to need is for God to look at us and we stay in the favor track of our Heavenly Father. Amen. Let me tell you something. God is everywhere. He's everywhere. But he don't turn his favor everywhere. The Bible calls that there the presence of God, the Shekinah glory the Jews do. That's why you got to seek his face. Your highest focus on this earth is that you have God's face turning to you. How many of you got problems in your life right now? Lift your hand. How many of you really need God to show up in your life? Let me share with you, he's already there. He's already showed up. He's already healed you. He's already delivered you. He's already put the money in the bank account. It's already there. But you need to crawl up in his lap, grab his face, and turn his face to you. And say, okay, now, Lord, I want you. You see, when you get him, you get everything. He said, I own the earth and everything in the earth. 
When you get him, his favor's on you. When you want a church full, get his favor. When you want a power of God to show up in your life, get his favor. Wherever that blue flame is, get it in your life. There was victory when there's a blue flame of the glory of God. There was power when there was the blue flame of God in presence. There was a blessing that was there. But it took intimacy to get it present and the favor to move in our life. Everybody say intimacy. I want to tell you something about intimacy. Intimacy brings the blessing of God. But the pursuit of blessing will not bring intimacy. Once you get intimate with the Lord, you're going to get blessed. Anytime you got God's favor in your life, anytime you got him looking at you in your eye, you're going to have a power of God like you've never had before in your life. What does the word intimate mean? We miss it so often. It means to be closely acquainted with him. To be familiar with him and his characteristics and his traits. It means to share private things and literally get very close private classified information about the other person. It means to be best of friends. It means that God gives you classified information as you give him classified information about yourself. It means that you are on a higher level with God than most people. If you're my intimate friend, you should know me more and better than anybody else knows me. Amen? Amen. What we need is the restoration of the manifested presence of God in the church. We don't need to take the pulpit again until God shows up. We don't need to stand on this whole podium and sing anymore until the hearts of the people are at the point where we've got God's face turned to us. Y'all with me now, amen? amen. We're going to close out in two verses here today. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 34. I want to show you what happens to people when the presence of God shows up. Exodus chapter number 34. Are you glad you come to church tonight? Has God spoke to you already tonight? Look at somebody and say, turn his face to you. It's amazing sometimes what God will use to preach to you. I hadn't thought about that until this week and how Trevor done me there. As Trevor got older, he got a little quieter and he went and sat in his room and everything. But it used to be that he was with me all day, every day. I used to carry him out to sell real estate. I used to carry him out to sell insurance. He used to be with me about every day that there was in the world. And he literally wanted daddy's attention. I don't know what I've done wrong to get him where he didn't want my attention anymore. But he would crawl up in the chair beside of me and he would turn my face to him and say, Daddy, I'm talking to you. We need to start telling God, I'm talking to you, Lord, and I need you. Amen. Look at verse 29 of chapter 34 in Exodus. And the Bible says, let's start at verse 27. It said, And the Lord said unto Moses, Write thou these words, for after the tenor of these words I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. And he was there with the Lord forty days and forty nights. And he didn't either eat bread nor drink water. And I think about that. In the presence of the Lord, you don't need no bread. In the presence of the Lord, you don't need no water. In the presence of the Lord, you don't need nothing to sustain yourself because he is life. He is the bread of life. Someone needs to say amen. amen. And he wrote upon the tables of the word of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. In verse 29, said, and it came to pass. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in Moses' hand. When he came down from the mount that Moses wished or did not know that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. 
And when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone. That word shone means shot out rays like lightning. Shot out rays like lightning. And they were afraid to come nigh him. And Moses called unto him, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned unto him, and Moses talked with them. And afterward, all the children of Israel came nigh. And he gave them in commandment all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. And till Moses had done speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But when Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he took the veil off until he came out. And he came out and spake unto the children of Israel that was which he was commanded. And the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone. And Moses put the veil upon his face again until he went in to speak with him. The power of God began to move on Moses, and the longer he stayed in it, the more power on him you saw. I want to get it so thick in this house to where when we leave this house, everybody sees the electricity and the lightning of God on our life. When we pull up to get gas, that somebody looks at us and says, what in the world is so different about you? And you have to say, what's so different about me is I just spent an hour down at the altar at Living Water Worship Center. And if you want to have this, you need to come with me. I believe that we need some preachers that will stand up and preach the word of God. And the power of God will come off of their face like lightning bolts and scare the daylights out of somebody. So that we'll have to hold back what God has given us so everybody can hear us. We need not just a little trickling of the glory of God. We need everything that God has got us. We need to seek his face. Everybody hold out and say, I'm going to seek his face. Now go to Genesis, back one book, Genesis chapter 35. I want to show you one other thing that happened here as we close tonight because I believe that God is speaking to the heart of this church tonight. Those of you that's here, we're building this church on our foundation. Verse number one of Genesis chapter 35. If you got that, say Amen. Listen to what he told him in verse number one. And God said unto to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel. The word Bethel means the house of God. Everybody here tonight just say, Arise. Arise. Get up from where you are. Yeah, come on. Get up from where you are. Get out of that situation and go to the house of God. He said, Rise, go up and dwell in the house of God. Of God. Everybody holler out and say, dwell at the house. And make there an altar. And everybody holler out and say, get in the altar. And it says that uh, unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleetest from the face of Esau thy brother. Then Jacob said unto his household and to all that were with him, listen to what it says, put away the strange gods that are among you and be clean and change your garments. And let us arise and go up to Bethel. And he will make there an altar unto God who answered me in the day of my distress and was with me in the way that I went. And they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which were in their hand and all their earrings which were in their ears. And Jacob hid them under the oak which was by Shechem. Look at somebody say, bury them gods. Bury everything that this earth has held you back. Get up from where you are in your situation and get to the house of God and dwell in the house of God at the altar and pray until God shows up in your life. Someone say amen. amen. And verse 5 says, and they journeyed and the terror, everybody say the terror. The terror. 
the terror of God, which were in, uh, I'm sorry, the terror of God was upon the cities that were round about them, and they did not pursue after the sons of Jacob. God told Jacob, he said, rise up, go to the house of God, and dwell there. Stay there. We need to start coming to church more than we ever have. We need to be in the altar much more than we ever have. We need to be in prayer much more than we ever have. And then he went on and he says, all right, you got to get all these strange gods out of your life. You got to start rebuking all these strange gods in your life. You see, one of the reasons why we're in the situation we're in is because we put a God above God. And now it's time to rebuke those gods and literally stand up and renounce those gods and say, they're not going to have me anymore. He said, renounce those gods and be clean. Everybody had out and say, be clean. So we got to change our garments. Some of us need to change clothes spiritually. We've been living on the stuff of the past. Now God says it's time for us to get serious with him and get clean. I want to share with you, God is not coming to those who seek his benefits. He's going to come to those that are seeking his face. And I'm going to end with this. I still believe and I still know that there's more. There's a whole lot more than what we've been experiencing. Chip Nance can preach a whole lot harder than he's been preaching. He can preach a whole lot more effectively than he's been preaching. Sissy can praise the Lord a whole lot more effectively than she's been doing so. We can sing a whole lot better than we've been doing. We can praise the Lord a whole lot more effectively than what we have been. We can worship the Lord. We can spend time with the Lord. There is more of God than what we have. God wants to know, do you want it? you really want it if you want it he says you're my people humble yourself and seek my face humble yourself and pray humble yourself and turn from your wicked ways humble yourself confess your sins one to another humble yourself get right with the Lord humble yourself get to the church house I'm going to say it again to y'all listen to me online. Get to the house of God. At the house of God, don't be satisfied to sit in the pew. Get in the altar. Once you get in the altar, you pray until God shows up. A little bit later on, God showed up with Jacob. As he sent his family away and he was sitting there in the house of God, all of a sudden a man appeared and jumped on him and began to wrestle him. And he fought all night long. And then somewhere in the middle of that fight, Jacob began to realize, hey, I'm fighting God. And he grabbed a hold of God. And God, I'm going to tell you what, I don't think we've ever heard God tell us this. God looked at him and said, let me go. And he said, I'm not going to let you go till you bless me. I would love to get living water to the point to where God is saying, let me go. But we need to get to the point where we say, no, God, you ain't going nowhere until you bless us. 
We're going to be blessed so we can bless others. I need you. I'm tired of living the way I'm living. I'm tired of seeing my life fall all apart. I know there's more. I know there's more. It's not just because grandma said there's more or the preacher says there's more or the Bible says there's more. I know there's more and I'm going to have it and I'm going to do what it takes to get the more in my life. And if we'll get the more in this house, we'll get more people in this house. We'll get more of God in this house. We'll change this region by the power of God. Everybody look at someone and say, I know there's more. We're going to have it, amen? That's why we're starting back our Sunday night services. That's why we're going to start doing prayer. That's why we're going to come together and we're going to pray. Because we're looking for a breakthrough here, and we're looking for a breakthrough in three and a half weeks. We're expecting God to show up and show out. We're unhappy and dissatisfied with the way things are going. I refuse to let this church be broken up by somebody's attitude. I'm going to stand for it and I'm going to preach the word of God and I'm going to seek the Lord and I'm going to seek him while he can be found, while he's passing by because I'm not going to pastor this church if he passes on by. If he passes on by, I'll go somewhere else. I'll let Thelma pastor you. I'll let Sissy pastor you. But I am going to have God in my life because I'm not going to let him pass by again. Smile at someone and say, there's more. Holler at one another one. So I said, there's more. Now it's time for you to seek more. I want you in your eyes and in your mind, just picture yourself sitting in the lap of God, reaching your hand up there and turning his head to you and say, I've been talking to you, God. You got to talk to me, God. I need you now. I'm going to tell you what, it's bad to be in a room with God, talking to him, and he won't pay you no attention. I need the favor of God. How many of you need the favor of God in your life? How many want the favor of God in your life? It ain't just that we need it. We got to want it. God said, if you want the favor of God in your life, seek my face. He said, I'll forgive your sins and I'll show up and I'll heal your land. And when I heal your land, I heal your family. And when I heal your family, I heal you, heal your relationships. When I heal your relationships, I heal your finances. When I heal your finances, I heal your church. When I heal your church, I heal your nation. When I provide and visit you with bread, I come in with the power of God because you know there's more and you're not going to die until you get more. I've heard preachers preach and say, little is much when God is in it. That's true. But I'm tired of a little as much. I want to have all God's got for me. If he gave me a list to go to the supermarket, I want to be able to go to the supermarket and get everything on that list. I don't want nothing on back order. If he wants me to have a loaf of bread, I'm not going to go to a bakery with all of the elements in the oven burnt out. I'm going somewhere where I can get what God wants. And I believe that's what God wants in this church. How many of you feel the heart of God tonight while I'm talking? God is calling us. He's saying to us, children, there's more. I want to carry you to a deeper level. That deeper level is I want you to seek my face. And once you get my favor, I'll guide you by my eye. God would love to be able to get through today and not have to worry about none of us. Did you hear what I just said? He would love to know when he got up today that Betty was going to be all right and that Betty was going to handle herself. That if Betty started getting out of attitude and a little bit of whack, all he had to do is just cut a little eye over to Betty and Betty straighten right back up. Don't have to be preached to for 20 minutes. Don't have to be hollered out for 50 minutes. Just look at him. 
That's the level God is wanting this church on. And if you'll get to that level, church, I promise you, this preacher won't have to preach like he's been preaching. We won't have to sing like we've been singing. God will come in and he'll take control. If you're ready for God to do that, say amen tonight. Stand with me to your feet. Give God a good hand clap of praise. Y'all can do a little better than that. I got this recording, so let everybody know you're here. Amen. Praise the Lord.